0: Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. So honored and privileged to be able to just speak uh, to this family again. This is my home. This is my family. You know, as much as I get to speak in different places and conferences, this is always a joy and a privilege that I kind of like, you know, embrace it. And I, Andre has been asking, Andre asked me, How, when's the last time you, you spoke at the city? I said, I think more than 10 months ago. <laughs> and I, and I, to me, it's like I, I kind of miss also this kind of environment where I can just have family talks, right? And... And I feel like today, you know, I really want to go into something about a family talk, you know, and something that's been close to my heart, something that I believe God is also teaching me a lot in this journey as a son, as a young man, about honoring parents. Mm-hmm. On, <laughs> my brother is asking me <laughs> to preach. He see me from my worst state to where I am today. So he's like. and, and I feel like this, this morning, you know, more than just preaching a sermon or just kind of bring some text out, I feel like it's going to give some of us courage to love our parents more. And and it's not just about uh, filial piety kind of stuff, but I believe there's a reason why God put it in one of His commandments. It's not just random, but there is a thing called nation building. And the reason why God gave Moses the Ten Commandments is because it's about building a model nation to displace the ways of God. And... This morning, my prayer is that this little act of our honoring your parents, I believe all of my heart is going to shape and change a nation. And, uh, and I'm just going to bring you through a bit of the scriptures, but join me in prayer. I'm a prayer guy, I you know, you guys label me prayer guy. <laughs> just tear that that thing away. But all of us, let's just join our hearts to pray to God and ask the Lord to give us revelation. You see, men can say this much, but when God begins to speak a word, it cuts through everything, it changes everything. Only God can change your heart. Man's words is so limited and and futile without the very power of God. I just pray that God will speak this morning and allow it to turn something within your hearts to your parents. And God will begin to take that obedience of your hearts towards His word to begin to bring change and transformation in our life, in our family, in, even in our nation. So Father, we thank you for this morning, we thank you for this family time. We thank you that we can come before you as, a, as, as children of God. We, we thank you that you chose to be our father. We thank you that you are the father of all fathers, even in the midst of brokenness in our family, but we can look to you as our very perfect father who has a perfect love that will cast off every form of fear in our lives to be vulnerable and naked. <laughs> To begin to relate to one another and to you, God, in a, in, a, in a way that you desire us to be. So, Father, I'm asking you to send your word. Father, I pray you put your word in my mouth that you begin to cause this Word to come forth like fire and hammer, begin to shatter every stronghold in our mind that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and your ways, and that you begin to use this Word to begin ignite a flame and a zeal to see your will and your purposes to be done in our lives and in our nation. Father, we thank you for your Word. We honor your Word this morning. We say we love your ways, we love your will, we love your Word, Father. We say come and establish this in our lives. Write them upon our hearts and begin to make it Alive, that we embrace and live out so that the world will know your ways and who you are. We give you glory and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I, I, I know we all know Ten Commandments. Most of us still, we have read it before or you have kind of like read it before. If you have not read the Ten Commandments, please go and read the Ten Commandments. I believe it still stands. It's part of God's constitution and statutes in the way He runs His kingdom. Alright, it is about nation building. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, it's about building a nation, to disciple nation what it looks like, being under the leadership of God. Yeah? How many of you want to see God's leadership in our nation? Ten Commandments. Is Write it on your walls, man. <laughs> in your house. And I just want to say it is a blueprint for nation building under the leadership of God. And, and, and of all the different commandments out of the 10, that this, this one commandment that is kind of like, ah, oh, it's kind of awkward in some ways. It's like so the first three commandments is about the worship of God. It's about the, the whole uh, esteem of who God is. And making sure that we have no other gods, that we will not use His name in vain. You know, we will honor the Sabbath. And then the, the last five commandments about the murder, adultery. But yet there's this in-between. Between where it's, it seems like a bridge between God and also the acts of man of how lawlessness will abound. If without this thing, I feel like God is actually putting that as a little sign to help us to understand. Hey, before the reason why there might be murder and adultery and all these things, and the reason why no, no, there's no worship of God is because there is a bridge between these five and three commandments because of the honoring of parents. There's something about that. God don't do random. When God puts something in there, He always has an intention and He wants us to search it out. And today, I feel like God, I just want to elevate this commandment and I want you to know that there is something specific that God wants to establish in our homes, in our lives, regardless of how old you are. We all have parents. It's not just for the young people. And it's one of those commandments that has a promise of all There's only one commandment that ties in with a promise. And um, so I'm going to read the scriptures. We're all going to read it together, right? So that I'm not going to just kind of like, I'm not going to let my words just go forth. I just want to read it together. Turn your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And I want all of us to read this together. This is the Word of God. We want to speak it out. We want to let this be heard you know, in the, in the midst of the principalities and powers, says, this is the word of God, and we want to say it out with conviction and passion, that we want to honor this. Ready? Let's read, let, read, let us read this together. One, two, three. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Amen. This is the Word of God. Not only in the Old Testament, this is not just uh, Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Paul actually emphasized it. I mean, you can turn your Bibles with me. I'm going to go through scriptures, so turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians 6. Verse 1, I know now because slides, you all become lazy people, don't want to turn your Bibles. like, I want to turn it. I'm self-turning, then you all just look up to the screen. (laughs) Turn your Bibles. Read it for yourself. I can anyhow slot words in. Ah, if you don't turn and look for yourself, I can basically make things up on the screen. So better turn your Bibles because it's it's in there for you to read for yourself. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 to verse 3. This is what Paul says to the church of Ephesus. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Okay, pause the This is for all the fathers and mothers in this room. Children, remind your dad and your mom this verse. But fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instructions of the Lord. Don't provoke them, but instruct them and discipline them with the instructions of the Lord. You know, you have to understand this whole thing about honoring the parents is not just an Old Testament thing and stuff like that. Paul actually emphasized to the church of Ephesus. And oftentimes when we, when we think about this commandment, we often, it's kind of like one of those commandments that we underlook, undervalue, and underemphasize, not just in the world out there, but also in the church today. Yes? We will tell our young people. We'll tell our friends or our, our disciples that says, you know, we have to make sure that they don't commit sin. They do not commit like adultery. We want them to live a wholesome life. That they will not go into pornography. Live a life that is wholly consecrated to God. But you have to understand that is a reason why it is being emphasized in the New Testament as well. There is extreme extreme value that the Apostle Paul actually. Establish it in the church in the early years of Christianity. He is emphasizing to, to the people. I just want to read a few of these things, the scriptures again, and I want to pull out from the scriptures and let you see how much God valued this commandment in the church. Je- Jesus, Matthew 15, verse 1 to verse 6, Jesus actually used this commandment as a barometer of the true conditions of our hearts. Matthew chapter fifteen verse one to verse six. The Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, "Why do you why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? For do not they do not wash their hands when they eat? Please wash your hands." He answered them and do not break the command. I and why do you break the commandments of God for the sake of your traditions? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother would surely die. Big words. Serious. But you say, if anyone tell his father or his mother why what you would have gained from me is given to God, rephrase it. You know, everything that I do, you know, everything that you have given me, I'm not going to give you back. I'm using God as an excuse to just say I can be dishonoring to you because I'm using it for God. He's trying to address the pharisaical spirit that we actually use religion and stuff like that to give ourselves an excuse to not to honor our parents using traditions. And Jesus was addressing the issue about, you know, you actually create traditions to pull people away from the commandments of God to dishonor your parents. This is what actually Jesus was saying. And he says that he needed not to honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. God is serious about this. Jesus is serious about this commandment. And not only that, the Apostle Paul would also warn the church in Rome about the consequence of the wrath of God for allowing unrighteous living, and it includes the way we treat our parents. I want you to read it for yourself. I didn't, I didn't make this up. Jesus, or rather the scriptures, wrote it in your book. So read it for yourself, and it says this, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. And then he listed down evil, covetousness, malice, and those, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossipers, the slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, and God slot this right in, putting it the same statutes, I mean, same standard with the rest of this thing that we like, wow, so evil, so bad. And he said, Disobedience to parents. <laughs> and foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. I mean, God has a lot of things to talk about. This thing called, about your parents. And not only that, Paul would also remind Timothy about the perilous days in the last days by listing down the signs of behaviors in the church in the last days. He described it. 2 Timothy, verse, three to verse chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 5. But understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. I just want, you know... God would actually put disobedience to parents with all this list of things. That is something that we have to revisit again. It's one of those commandments that we kind of like neg- neglected for a long time. Nowadays, when we see our children disobey parents or dishonor their parents, we don't talk much about it. We just go, um, they don't understand. Uh, we got this dab thing. They will never understand our world one. And we actually just bypass it and allow it to happen. But in the eyes of Paul, he actually said this is important. It is evil in the eyes of God. (laughs) It's evil. And there's a reason why it's not just because we put that for fun, but I believe it actually affects our world. It's more than just the filial piety thing, the Asian thing that we need to honor our parents because we are Asian. The Confucianism. It's It's more than just that it affects society. And I know some of you may think, well, disobedient to parent and dishonoring is a different thing, right? Yes, it's different, but it intertwines. The difference between disobedient and dishonoring, there are differences between them, but our disobedience or our unwillingness to submit to our parents' authority when we were young stems from the issue of dishonor because we do not esteem or put weight and disregard the God-ordained authority over our lives, over our lives. The reason why we disobey is because we have a low view of God's authority over their lives. That's why we choose to disobey. And it's, it's kind of intertwined, the whole dishonoring and disobedience. You know? And most of us here, you know, we may be thinking back, oh, that's so long ago. But I want you to know that how, how the simple little things that creeps into our hearts when we were younger as children, disobeying our parents, if it's undealt with, it will come to a place where it becomes dishonor. We disregard our parents in our lives. And do you know that the root cause of what the world is happening in our the, is happening in our world today, the, the mess that we are seeing, the brokenness in our society today stems from rebellion, not just in from first in our school. But where's the first time we rebel? Where's the first time we actually reject authority in our lives? Who is the first person that we choose to cast off restraint? Our parents. Lawlessness started not in your school. It started first from our homes. We we choose to disregard the authority of our life. And guess what? In the Bible, you look at the garden. One simple act of disobedience led to bloodshed between Cain and Abel. And which eventually became a rebellion, the Tower of Babel. One simple act of disobedience to God who is our father, Adam, produces... Two kids and one of them have a disconnect and discontentment with the parents. And guess what? There's a reason why God put the fourth commandment, honor your parents. Because if that does not meet, you see the next thing, next thing will happen, murder. Thou shalt not murder. It started from a place where we choose to cast off restraint. And the disconnect between our hearts with our parents actually breeds more stuff. And guess what? The mess that we have in our society today it stems from the place where there's a disconnect and brokenness between the generations. And I don't just... I, the, the thing is this. I pray that we will not be ignorant about this matter because it is more than just an issue of I have to obey and honor my parents because it's filial piety but it actually has a cause and effect in our society. We need to teach our young people, not just the young, even ourselves, to learn to honor parents. Regardless, it's the commandment of God. It is part of this blueprint of what society is meant to look like. It is the way of life. It is not just a thing that we just skim through. It is something that God wants us to establish and write in our hearts, that we may learn to esteem our, our parents. They may be broken, we may not agree fully with their way in their ways, but we must begin to recognize that they are the authority that God has set them over our lives, and we have to recognize that and honor that. You know, at the same time, you know, we see like this description of things that's gonna happen on the earth. In fact, you know, the Bible promised that in the last days lawlessness will abound. Yes? I mean, I don't know if you know, if you believe it, but this is what the Bible says. Lawlessness will abound. People will become more and more, you know, lawless. They will begin to basically cast off restraint. In fact, you read the Bible, that this is what it says in Acts, in in Psalms chapter 2, the kings of the earth will begin to come together and they will basically rule the nations and they will plot against God's anointed. And not only that, they will cast off the, the restraint and the bond of what God has set in ordinance of what life is supposed to be. You see, God put in all these laws. It's not just so, so that He will like, kind of like find a fault in us and smack and smack us in our butt just because we make a mistake. But God said this law because He ordained life to look like, to look like that. But it's going to come a day where people are going to make themselves like God because they started in a place where they want to be lawless and they want to be uh, in a place where they don't want to be bound by all these different rules and they begin to live life on their own to begin to decide what is, what is right to become wrong and what is wrong to become right. They will live life like that because we all, we, we kind of like make, live a life that feels like this. I need to rule my own life. I don't want people to put authority over my life. I just want to rule my own life and I to begin to break off that restraint of this moral compass that God has set on the earth. And somehow these things is going to cause a reproduction of lawlessness more and more on the earth. But at the same time, you see, you know, God also have a redemption plan that he says that lawlessness will abound And before Jesus comes back, there's going to be a lot of people that will cast off restraint. They'll redefine laws. They'll redefine what is life. They'll redefine what gender is. They'll redefine what marriage is. They'll redefine everything because they think whatever is right in their own eyes, they will do it. But yet God promised in Malachi chapter 4. And I want you to turn your Bible with me to Malachi chapter 4. Before Jesus returns, he's going to send messengers, prophets, who have the ability to do this one thing, to turn hearts. I want to read from verse 4 onwards. We always read verse 5 to verse 6, right? Malachi 4, 5, 6, that's what we like to do. But I want you to read from verse 4 onwards because it's important to Highlight that because this is what he said. Remember the law of my servant Moses. What is that? The Ten Commandments. The statutes and the rules that I have commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. It talks about the coming of the Messiah. Before the second coming of Jesus, there's going to be a big release of God's messengers and what he will do is to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And then he ended with, lest I come and strike the land with a decree with utter destruction. You have to understand, Malachi was going back to the point of origin of how God set up a nation, how nation meant to be run and he says, remember the Lord of Moses. And then at the same time, he saw into the future where there's going to be great and terrible day where people are going to be lawless. And at the same time, he saw God's redemptive plan of raising up people, men, or Elijah the prophet, who will come before that to basically turn hearts. You see, whenever we think about Elijah, we always think about this great prophet as one that will call down fire, you know, the one that will basically raise the dead. A powerful prophet. And sometimes I'm just thinking to myself. Whenever I read this verse, it's gonna make me scratch my head. What, This kind of verse feels very weak. ah. I thought you were send Elijah to just come in before Jesus returned. You'll come and show some signs, some great wonders, perform some amazing fire, calling you know, power from heaven, and to show people that hey, this is God, man. I know a God. You see, I must. I'm not to say. I'm. I'm trying to. I want to say this one thing. Signs and wonders and supernatural is very important because it points us to a person. But I want to say also the same thing. Signs and wonders don't necessarily turn people's heart to God. Just look at Israel in the wilderness. Moses performed some of the most spectacular signs and wonders. Try splitting the Red Sea, guys. Try calling down fire to just sustain the coldness in the night. Try making those people walk in wilderness in desert places for 40 years with shoes intact. Try calling down bread from heaven. Yet these people still choose to harden their heart and resist the God. There is something far more miraculous than all these spectacular signs and wonders. The greatest sign and wonder that can ever take place is see a heart of two-person turn and reconcile. There is coming a day, a man is going to be preaching, or a few people, a messenger is going to be preaching from the word of the Lord, from reminding the laws of Moses. And when he speaks with the spirit of power of Elijah, that they are going to turn hearts. The hearts are going to be turning what, what seems to be broken and, and, and disconnected with the word and the prof- prophet of a man, a man of, who is a prophet can cause hearts to reconnect. All the brokenness, all the tension, all the things that cuts us away from our parents, the strife, the murder, the hatred, the anger is going to turn. There's someone that God is going to release the kind of power and anointing for the church, for the messenger to call the fathers and the sons to turn. In the midst of all this lawlessness on the earth, God is going to raise up and send prophetic messengers when He speaks, hearts are going to turn. Some of you are contending for your children's heart to turn. Some Some of you sons are contending for your parents heart to turn you feel the pain in your heart but i want you to know there is hope because the bible says before he comes back he's going to release messengers who's going to remind them of the statutes of moses and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the father It's also interesting that the commandment that came, came with a blessing. If it's not done, actually, releases the curse. Maybe this is my personal thought. Don't say it's my. Don't say it's like doctrine. Maybe some of those lives that meant to live long was cut short in the midst of because of anger and hatred and disconnection and, and the dishonoring thing that happens in a home that breeds hatred, bitterness, and begin to see crimes. Murder, strife, fights, and you cut short people's lives because of those pain. It's a product of the disconnection with our parents. The disconnection between the generations. That the ways of God is not being passed down. We are not being reminded. And then people start to live a life of lawlessness. And some of these these babies that's in in, in our mother's womb are meant to live long. But because of the brokenness of man's heart. And the disconnectedness between the parents and the families it causes pain, and this is the, this is the cause and effect that cause people to do things that cut short people's life. I tell you, I believe Abel was meant to live longer than what he's supposed to live. <laughs> but he got murdered. That's why God says this, if you learn to honor your father and mother, you will have long life to live in the land given to you. And all that we see on the earth today maybe stems from the issue of the disconnect between the generations, the pain in our hearts. I'm just going to go into a story from this king. You know, when you begin to read through the Bible, you know, especially in the Kings and Chronicles, you see the rise and fall of the nation oftentimes lies in the transition of the two generations. When you have a good king who actually teaches the ways of God to their children, they actually produce good things. Nations thrive. Nations succeed. Nations will be in in a place of prosperity and harmony and peace. But whenever there is a disconnect between the two generations, you see a nation begin to plunge in to idolatry, to things that will begin to cause pain. And effects of brokenness, people begin to establish idols and begin to do things that is out of the way and attention of God. This is always the case. Whenever we see a nation go through a transition and passing on of leadership, if the ways of God is not being taught, you often see a nation plunge into bad stuff. In fact, in the entire book of Kings and Chronicles, most of them fail in the transition. Except for a few handful kings that actually did right. And some of them, it was difficult and tough because all their dads and their moms pretty screw up. <laughs> Serious, I'm not joking. You just look through, through a Bible. There are Some of these people, their parents are murderers. They kill the prophets. But yet... There are stories in the Bible and I want you to know there's this one king that I really love. If I have a son, I'll name him this. When I have a son. And his name is Josiah. I oh. <laughs> want you to turn your Bibles with me to Second Kings chapter 22. You don't have to understand the reason why I'm also speaking about this, I'm also thinking about nation thinking about our nation as Singapore. We are in a transition. We are feeling uncertain. We are feeling this gap between the previous generation and this generation. And you know what? Whenever we are in this period of transition, I believe there's a reason why I realize a lot of people are talking about this fourth commandment everywhere. I was reading, I was just scrolling through my Instagram, and I saw a few people are preaching about honoring their parents today. I don't know why, but I think God is speaking it's about, there's something about bridging the gap between the generations because God wants to let the inheritance that has been given to this nation, our previous generation, to pass down so that we don't live like orphans. But before that can happen, we need to turn. We need to make sure that this gap is being breached. And I just want to read from the life of King Josiah to you. And in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1 to verse 2, it's awesome. This is what it says. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. How many of you want an eight-year-old king in your nation? Can you imagine, like, ma- oh, daddy, I want my, I want the Marvel thing, you know, take all the treasure and buy all the Capcom and Marvel thing, you know, not the play? Can you imagine the eight years old running your kingdom? It's horrifying. It's like you take all your treasuries and just kind of do. All. I want the what is that thing called? Rat rats. I want to buy all the Rud Rats shirt and want to make it in a series. I want to promote Rat Rats. Because you're not standing in front today a lot, so I just have to promote your shirt. (laughs) And Josiah was 8 years old and began to reign, and he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jadida, the daughter of Adiah, of Boskath. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Listen, he did what was right. Don't get distracted by the names. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he what? Walked in all the ways of his father, David. When I talk about messed up parents, Josiah had messed up parents. Do you know who are their parents? Amon, his grandfather is Manasseh. Do you know how messed up his family is? His family is one of those classic kings that will purposefully rebel against God and begin to establish poles of idolatry and lead the nation into a place because of self-gain. Manasseh hacked Isaiah into half, killing the prophets of God. Amen was like living life on his own, you know, kind of gratifying his own desire. And Josiah grew up in an environment a family where all his parents are wayward. But yet... The Bible says that he turned. He walked, he do what was right in the eyes of God and he walked in his father's David, which means this, he have no reference point. The father messed up, grandfather messed up, grandmother messed up. The only person that he can look to is to look for the great, 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 great grandfather who did what was right. I believe when he was a young boy, someone taught him about his great, 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 great grandfather and how he actually led the nation. And he began to get awakened and he began to see I want to live like that. Which means this, guys. Regardless of whether your family is messed up or not. Regardless of what kind of environment you came from, what kind of family situation that you are in, there is actually a a way and there's actually possibility to see an awakening and a change in your lifetime, in your homes and your family. You may not have the, most, the best example in your home right now. Look for spiritual fathers and mothers who have walked in the ways of the Lord and begin to say, I want to look like that. Yeah. There's a lot in our midst in this room. You don't have to give excuses and reason and blame your parents for your upbringing or your state. You always can look to someone who actually have walked in the ways of God, David was not the most perfect man. In fact, he was also a criminal. But what made him kind of stand apart is because this man may be broken, committed adultery, murdered people, but yet there's something about David's heart who desire to walk in the ways of God, who desire to, to meditate on his laws day and night, a man that actually God calls him a man after God's own heart. If you can find a man and a woman, a father or a mother who, is a, who, is a, who's, who are people who are after God's own heart, begin to take them as a reference point and start living out and follow them. Because that will change your life. That might turn the situation in your homes and Josiah, 8 years old, became king at the age of 16 years old. The, the, the Bible says that he began to sought the Lord like, his, like how he, David would sought the Lord. And then in the age when he was in his 20s, he began to take his influence and power and begin to change and reform nations all that his father and grandfather establishes, he basically removed all these things down and he began to reestablish the word of God, the laws of God in the land. And Israel went through a revival and reformation over one generation. After hundreds of years of brokenness, Josiah turned it all back, reversing all the curses and all the bad stuff that his fathers and grandfathers has done. And he basically rebuilt it because he chose to turn his heart to the ways of his fathers who actually walked in the ways of God. Read Second Kings chapter 23, verse 21 to 25. This is what it says. It says that the king commanded all people to keep the Passover of the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of Covenant, for there's no such Passover had been kept since the days of the judges. You know when's the days of judges? It's before David. One of the most glorious days in the days of Israel was during the time of Samuel. There was a great feast that people remember God and His ways. But ever since the days of David, after Solomon, everything just plunged into the depths of you know, darkness, and the whole nation of Israel was in a mess. But Josiah, just one turn, looking back to his forefathers, David, he reversed it. And in fact, it did not just go to a former glory. It was even greater. This is what he says. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, the Passover was kept. In Jerusalem. Moreover, Josiah put away the mediums, the necromancers, the household gods, the idols, and all the abomination that was seen in the land, in Judah, in Jerusalem. He might establish the word of the law that were written in the book of Hilkah, the priest found in the house of the Lord. Before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, and with all his soul, and with all his might, according to the law of Moses. Nor did anyone after him rise. Josiah didn't just reinstate the law, he basically became, he basically, not just reinstating the law through his command as a king, but it started with his own life. He turned back to the ways of God starting with his own life. Can I say this? Revival and reformation in a nation starts with your life and your family. Revival and reformation, all that we talk so much about, we want to see revival, actually starts with me and my homes. Josiah could not reform a nation because he chose to. Josiah could reform a nation because he chose to turn his heart back to God and walk in the ways of his fathers. Everything he did was merely a byproduct of a heart turn, back to his fathers and the ways of God. I'm just going to close this time with a little bit of my journey as a son. And this is something that I pray that God will give you courage. You know I. In front of my brother, I'm going to say all oh, this is naked and vulnerable. <laughs> naked, but not ashamed. naked but not ashamed. You know, I grew up in a home, you know, not the most perfect family. We, we, we have idols and all these things in our house and stuff like that. My grandparents are like the sidekick of a tanki. And, and all my, I mean, our ambition in life was to become a tanki because it saw so much power, right? And we became ministers and pastors today. God has this interesting... Huge <laughs> sense of humor, right? And my parents are not the most perfect parents. They are hardworking, they have good heart, but they are the most broken people. They don't know what family feels like. Their, their homes are just kind of like mess. And uh, growing up, was, of course, you know, being a, in a in an environment where my brother is the higher, the higher achiever, the one that did all the great stuff, and everyone is proud of him as a, as a firstborn. And then here you have is this... Here you have, you have this, this underachieving boy that all day just want to sit in front of a computer and play games and watch TV all, day, all night and not wanting to do anything. So in the whole span, in the whole lifetime of my, or rather the whole growing up years, my parents will always do this this comparison and begin to say things that really causes a lot of pain and brokenness in my heart. My parents, I mean, I know their heart is to want to see me succeed, but then words begin to cause pain and begin to cause me to distance myself because of resentment, bitterness, anger. So even when I became a Christian, I, I mean, I can be doing a lot of stuff in church, calling young people to love God, love their parents, salvation, but my heart was so disconnected and far. I mean, I don't even want to go close. I don't want to go back to my home. I was just doing my own stuff. But you know, Growing up, seeing all them, see my parents fight, wanting to murder one another a few times, you know, police come to our house, you know, my brother was most of the time not at home, so he didn't really witness that, right? Once. But except for this one moment, I was, I mean, after serving God with all these years, you know, when I hit my 20s in my 26 years old, I was burned out as a youth pastor, and I was about to go to Kansas City to be in a prayer room, to just find my heart. But before that happened, two weeks before that happened, My parents went to another crisis, and this time around, I'm facing this crisis as an adult, 26 years old, looking at witnessing my parents about to murder one another. (sighs) And then at a point in time, with all this burdens and brokenness in my heart i say, god i serve you so much i do all these things for you and i give all my teens and my early 20s to serve god and to love you and then here am i broken burnt out and i don't feel any connection and then you somehow you say that in in your words that if one in the household is saved we have two but we are not even seeing them saved they are going from wrecks to wrecks not glory to glory And so what happened, I was actually with Constance, I remember I was, we were watching a movie across the road, and it was like 12 midnight, 1am, then she was my girlfriend, now my wife, I'm so glad. (laughs) (laughs) And I received like seven missed calls, and it's just vibrating and ringing, I was thinking, who on earth will call me at this hour, and I look at my phone, I saw my mum's number calling me again and again and again and again and again. And I knew something was wrong. I told Cons, let's leave the movie. Anyway, the movie is horrible. It's not nice. We just left the movie theater, walked back to our home, and then I saw the gate of our house fling wide open. I was thinking to myself, burglar! Burglar! When I walked in, everything was intact, very nice and clean. It's it's my mom's gold standard of making sure the house is clean. But I went up to the room. I saw my mom leaning against the wall. And she was like, with bloodshot eyes, she was looking at me and shouting at me and says, why didn't you pick up your phone? Why didn't you pick up your phone? And at a point of time, I was like, what's going on here? Then she said that, your dad almost killed me. Your dad almost murdered me pushed me against the wall, and then everything went a bit confused, my brother came, in the middle of the night, I remember, we were shouting and screaming in a symphony of like, I shout, he shout, my parents shout, I shout, he shout, so it becomes like, <laughs> whoo, remember that, and it was like, so, oh my gosh, it's like 2, 3 a.m., we were shouting and crying, and sh- like, we say you are crazy, we sent you to a mental hospital, we all are pastors, I mean, pastors and leaders are so broken people, alright, <laughs> we are weak, honest, you think that we are perfect, too bad, you cannot find any perfect pastors in the West except for Jesus, and then my, of course, in the whole midst of the tension, my dad just walked back, walked back, walked back, with saying nothing, silent, with bloodshot eyes again. He went to his room. My brother, they all left me alone. handling the situation. They went back, they were tired. And there was I, sitting in my bedroom, making sure they, they felt, they kind of fall asleep by this, just hearing their snore, note. makes you know that they are asleep, right? So I just kind of opened my door, making sure that I hear the snoring. And right at the moment, I begin to point my fist at God and I said, God, why like that? After so many years, why like that? And at a moment, I just heard him saying, Jason, I want you to look up. I want you to look up and begin to look at me. I am beautiful and I'll make all things beautiful. And at a point of time, I felt like that was like a little invitation to give me that sense of security to go to Kansas City for six months. So that was the thing that propelled me to Kansas City as well. Having this burden of afraid, my parents were kind of like "You know don 't know what they 'll do they'll fight and then they want to kill another more stuff like that, but I just still went to Kansas City, I knew that my brother would take care of it so so I went to Kansas City. You can always depend on your older brother right he 's a high achiever perception. perception so I went to Kansas City i at a point of time, my heart was still very resent. I mean, I have a lot of resentment. I have a lot of pains. The memory of my parents brought a lot of pain. But at the same time, I felt compassion of God. And so for six months, I was sitting in the prayer room. I would spend 15 minutes every day to look up to God and begin to pray scriptures. And I begin to ask God, God, how do you feel about my parents? God, how do you see them? God, what? Plans do you have for them? And the more I begin to pray scriptures over my parent, I remember I'll always have a notebook beside me. I'll start writing things down about my parents' destiny. And I begin to see things that I've not seen before with my wounded heart. I begin to write things about what they'll do, how they'll evangelize, how they're going to affect society because my dad is a, such a grassroots guy. You know, he's going to take all this. He's going to be redeemed. He's going to use for good for the society. I just write all these prophetic words down. Six months into it, I was like awakened. My heart is ready to come back to Singapore to change the world. I remember I came out from the Changi Airport. I saw my dad and my mom standing there and they were receiving me. And the thing is this, though when I look at them, though the things and the situations remain the same, messy, tense, they want to fight all the time, but I realized something in my heart changed. And when something in my heart changed, my lens, when I look at them, something is, I just feel different. And I walk out, I remember the first thing I did, I think Con's was there, I gave my dad my first hug. And I just said, it was so good to see you again, dad. And that was the first time I think I ever hugged my dad. And ever since then, cut a long story short, one year into me coming back, I've been texting them, telling them to go church, don't fight, you know, I love you, love. I write letters to them that I never really thought of writing before, reminding him how I used to stand on his back, how he actually holds my hands. I'm reminding my dad all those precious memories of how he took care of me when I was a young boy. And I do things that I could not imagine myself doing. It was up to, I mean, to this point, I just feel a bit, ugh, a bit weird. And it's like, oh, so weird. And then I just kind of like do that and then eventually, my mom came back one day and just told us, she says, oh, I received Jesus. Through this hairstyle, auntie, cut my hair. She just received Jesus. And <laughs> I said, oh, this year I talked to you, you know, ask you, you don't want this cut hair. Just, oh, I'm going to try Jesus, go to church, and change my life. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, wow. She had sent her to the auntie earlier, you know. <laughs> and she said, I want to go to church. I said, great, and we have Hokkien language, right? So we just thought, okay, I mean, good, good point of contact to bring. So, but the thing is, my mom is pretty dependent on my dad. She don't, she don't drive and stuff like that. So I had to try to ask my dad. We tried to ask our dad to, to be more patient to bring her to church, So you know, knowing my dad, all these years, he only know one language, business. He's a businessman, true and true. You cut him, business come out. You cut him, and it's like all the. So I know talking to him. Will never work because you have this pigeon look. You know what's the pigeon look? Hey, Dad. What? <laughs> have you observed a pigeon before? I do all the time because I say, Dad looks like my dad. <laughs> it's like he cannot look either He just. Then like everything you say feel like the So I knew it's not going to work so I do the thing that works for him Send email (laughs) And send email I said Dad You know, know, mom wants to go to church You know, can you bring her to church and you know, just kind of follow her I know it's not convenient but just just let her just find a place where she can be healed up and stuff Then he replied me Dear Jason Chua Pengi Right. I have received your proposal. I will only accept upon 0.1, 0.2, 0.3, 0.4. And I ended up with signing off like, your dad, twice Sun Li. I mean, things like that. I said, awaiting oh, for your favorite reply, something like that. I was like... And I said, sure, man. So you have to meet them at the level where they can, you know, understand the language of business. So it's a transaction right there. He <laughs> said, sure. And in the span of that one year, remember, you know, he keep coming to church, he'll do the da-da-da-da-da-da in the service, and we won't do anything, We just pull his arms. And eventually, one year later, I remember he suddenly told us that he's going to do some house cleansing thing. He want to remove the eye. Though. So, he invited Pastor John and, and myself. So, we all came together. And, we, and so, I, my heart is like excited. Wow, things are changing in my family. Things are restoring. And at the point of time, you know, we were singing Chinese songs. So, I was trying to be, I was with coins. So I was trying to, he was, was a bit awkward. I like, just stand there. don't know what was going on. And we just kind of do funny things. Like, I was doing a tan mei too. Hallelujah. Then I just do all the... He had never seen this to me before, I think. So he was like, looking at me, It's like, what are, you, what are you doing? But eventually, after clearing all the idols and stuff, he turned to Pastor John and says, oh, Pastor John, I think I want to receive Jesus into my life. And, and I remember at a point in time, we were like, oh, that's awesome. I mean, kind of figure it out, it's going to happen somehow because it's removing idols. But my heart is like a bit unbeliever. I said, really, man, this is for real or not? And then eventually he says, after all these years, you know, you do this every morning, come and put the fruits there, also never eat, you know, and and stuff like that. (laughs) Pray, also like, you know, never do anything for me. I look at my children, I look at my grandchildren, they're also happy. So I'm going to give this a try. So something along that line. And then we decided to just pray for him. So Pastor John prayed for him. I remember my brother and my sister-in-law prayed for him. But when it came to my turn, I remember, I put my hands on him. I went forward, I put my hands on him, and I begin to pray. As I begin to touch my hands on his shoulder, I remember all those words that I used to write. Was, was in Kansas City about their lives. And I begin to prophesy. And all of a sudden, I felt my hands started to shake. I was like, earthquake! My dad is big, earthquake! It's so hard to shake my dad, but he was shaking, and then he co cool up, and he was bawling his eyes out. For the first time, I felt like a baby crying again my dad went through a born-again experience. And that was the moment where we see a dramatic change in my parents' life. And today, we all, know, we all knew that he is serving in church. They finished their Bible school. And the miracle is this. My dad and my mom went to the Bible school all in English. My mom don't speak English. <laughs> but yet, my dad was so patient in translating everything for her. That's only the gospel, man. But I just, but beside the point, but beside all these things, you know, we know that they are now serving God, you know, they are, our family members are coming to church because of their lives and it's a lot of revival kind of seems like happening in our homes, our uncles are coming to church and stuff like that. But the biggest thing for me personally that gave me courage to do what I'm doing today, I remember it's three years ago, we had this thing called the Josiah Assembly. And it's basically modeled after the whole thing about Singapore being in 2015. We're in a transition of transiting two generations, jubilee year. And we want to call young people to come before the Lord to consecrate a fast, to return back to the Word, return back to the laws of God, return back to honoring His Word. And at the same time, we get the fathers and mothers to come and pray for the children, the young people. So my dad was present then. The heart behind it is to bridge the generation, to believe, to consecrate a generation for the next 50 years. And so we have all these spiritual fathers and mothers in the, in the place. So at the end of the whole thing, they went to pray for all the young people. Then I saw my dad. And I went to my dad, and I begin to ask him, I said, this is my flesh and blood dad. I said, all these spiritual fathers, lay hands, awesome. I, I'm grateful. But I look at my dad, I said, dad, can, he was one year old as a Christian. I said, dad, can you lay your hands on me? And he's like, huh? Lay your hands on me and pray for me a blessing. And Of course, he awkwardly did it but when he put his hand on my head, the first time I ever heard my dad pray, so this is my first time ever hearing my dad pray, and the first prayer that he made to God from his mouth, that I hear it for myself, is this. He said, Father, thank you for giving me a good son. And up to this day, that very phrase Kind of like remove all, erases all the curses of you are not good enough. You are not going to happen. You know, you're not going to do anything great while you're wasting your life. And all of a sudden, this is the only thing that etched into my mind today that gave me confidence and courage to know that my dad and my heart has turned At a point in time, I knew that something was secure. Every time before I stand before the nation and speak, I would always make it a point to get my dad to come and lay and pray for me publicly because I recognize his authority and his covering. And I know that gave me a lot of safety and comfort and strength to, to speak the word of the Lord. And of course, today, when I look at my family, are we perfect? I don't think so. But we are seeing things changing, reforming, transforming. But it all started because we first for me, I first choose to look at God and turn my heart, remembering his laws, to honor my parents regardless of how I felt, and begin to ask him to give me his heart for my parents for my parents and begin to look at them the way he sees them, and that causes my heart to turn. Some of us here, we might need to do that. I don't know where, who you are, where you're from. Not just in your real parents. Maybe you have been wounded by authorities in churches. Leaders have failed you and caused your heart to distance yourself and disconnect. And because of that, you now are afraid of people who are over you. And so you're trying to live in a certain way on your own. But can I say that it's an ordinance that God has set in His Word, in His laws, that we need to turn between the generations be it in our real family, our homes, our spiritual family, or even government. And they may not be the best and the most perfect people, but you know what? We have to honor the works and the labor of our fathers. We may not agree with everything, but it's to esteem them and begin to give them what is due to them. God has set them as authority of our lives. I feel like tonight, this afternoon, God wants to give some of us courage to turn our hearts, to be your parents or be it to... The spiritual family here. And I pray that God will basically give us that grace to begin to live out that commandment to honor, and to teach our children the ways of God as well, to turn, that we will always have this heart connection, bridge that gap, and begin to, in this period of transition in Singapore in our lives, that we will constantly have this heart connection and honor. Because I believe this is the key to reforming a nation and transforming a nation. It starts with your home and your family. If you have a broken relationship in your family, I want to charge you. Pursue this. Let's all stand to our feet. There's a few things that kind of like God has lit on my heart this morning. I know it's a little bit over 12 But there's two things that I really want to ask the Lord to break in for us. One is salvation for our family members. So today, your parents or your children have yet to come to the knowledge of God and Christ. I want to contend for you. I believe whatever that happened in our family, in a trust powerhouse, I believe it is possible. I believe this is a little bit of what I call the David and Goliath moment we chop off the head of Goliath and we hang high up. It is possible. It is not a giant that cannot be slayed. It is possible. If God can do it for us in a most dire and messed up situation, God can redeem it for you and for anyone. I'm believing for households being, being saved, revival breaking out in our families, that people will be authors of prayer together as a, in a home to honor God and to love in His ways and generations coming together. I believe that can happen. If it's not salvation from family, but reconciliation. You have to understand, Jesus gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Because Jesus died, He can bridge the gap. We can now turn. Because God has... has used Jesus to cause our hearts to reconnect with God and now we can have access and at the same time the same measure of grace of causing hearts to turn can be ef- effective in our families again. It is possible. So today I want to pray maybe for some of you here if you have, a, have family members that you know you want to contend for the salvation, I want to pray with you. In fact, not just me. If, I want you to lift up your hands. If you want to see your family saved, salvation breaking in, I want those people around you as a family of God. I want you to begin to stand with them and begin to contend. Says, God, Break in this morning. I believe this is the key to reformation. Just lift up your hands if that is you. I believe God is going to de- impart grace. Even as you lift up your hands, it's a point of turning. It's like, God, I may not fully agree with everything that they are or they have done for me or done to me or the words they say it may be hurtful and is breaking my heart, but in my wanting to see them come to know you is a point of turning and I believe this is a, going to be a start of seeing restoration it, take, it took us three years to see my, our entire family getting saved or rather 20 over years but I believe there is grace every time when we put our testimony we are saying God do it again so begin to just contend for your family members I, I believe we are going to hear reports of family coming to know the Lord restoration healing in our homes no matter what situation that you may be in, how messed up your family may be in, turn your eyes to Him and say, remember, God honors your turning. And He will take what you have given to Him and you're going to make something beautiful. Right now, Father, increase your presence. God, I'm asking you to give us faith to believe. This is the promise of your word. Father, I'm asking for the generations to begin to turn. The generations will begin to turn. The fathers to the children and the children to the father. Father, I'm asking you to break in. I'm asking for light to break into our homes. That truly there will be lighthouses in our families. That the light of Christ will begin to radiate from our lives and from our homes. God, we are asking you for a tangible breaking in. We contend for their souls. God, we thank you that we remember mercy that you have put us in a home so that we can become an agent of mercy. That they don't have to end up broken, but you can reconcile and mend every brokenness. Whatever that happened in the garden, God, you have redeemed it on the cross, and we are asking you to redeem our families and our homes, our hearts, reconciling. Oh, Father, release grace, 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 grace. Father, we prophesy salvation to break in, salvation breaking in to our homes.